AgBioScience is supported by Indiana Farm Bureau. This is a special edition of Ag Bioscience. Welcome. Thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agrinovus Indiana. And this is the podcast where we explore all things Ag Bioscience, the people, the products, and innovations across food, animal health, plant science, and ag tech. Ag Bioscience is at CES 2024, the consumer electronics show in Las Vegas, exploring the latest tech trends and innovations and the latest in ag bioscience. John Deere is here with a large presence, as is Kubota, and there are a number of food-focused startups dotting the show floor, here to share perspective on what these innovations mean to the future of food and agriculture, is a longtime ag bioscience friend, Kristen Owen, Executive Director of Equity Research at Oppenheimer. Kristen, welcome back to ag bioscience, and welcome to Las Vegas. Yeah, Mitch, it's great to see you here. I'm really excited to uh, be walking the show floor with you and seeing all the exciting innovations out there. It is incredible what we've seen together, Kristen, at CES, the big consumer electronics show. Really, this show has become synonymous with innovation, has become a big platform for ag bioscience companies to bring the story of food and bring the story of agriculture innovation to a global audience, a new audience, as you look at all the things that we've walked through, experienced, the conversations we've had, what do you see? What are the big storylines emerging out of CES that relates to food and ag? You know, I think the fact that, that the companies that we've talked about, the Caterpillars, the John Deere's, the Kubota's, that they are even here demonstrates a lot of the evolution that we've seen in the space. I mean, this year, 2023, has been the year of AI, right? And so <laughs> we've all heard enough about AI. Now let's talk about some applications where we can use AI. And these companies provide that bridge from something that maybe doesn't seem as tangible, but I mean, you've said it many times on, on your podcast, food touches all of us. So now how do we put that on the table? How do we bring that into the context to use the technology that we're seeing on the floor today in a real world application that is going to touch every single one of us in a way that is positively impacting availability, sustainability, affordability? We just walked out of the John Deere booth and it was just this time last year, John Deere unveiled their new autonomous 8R tractor. And again, a giant presence here at CES on the show floor, this intent of spotlighting ag, spotlighting tech. But I think the question remains, in an era where these big automakers have left shows like this in a tightening global economy, your perspective, is, th is this working? Having a ag presence at CES effective? We're in a very different environment than we were, say, three years ago. I mean, never mind COVID, supply chain, all of that. Uh, inflation is here maybe it's it's starting to ebb a little bit and that's great but it means for the farmer commodities prices are not what they were over the last three years and so farm margins are are looking to be more squeezed this year our own budgets are a little bit more squeezed this year so what we're seeing in the booth and you talked about autonomy it's really about labor efficiency it's the one pocket of the market or of, of the inflation bucket that never moves in the opposite direction so what we really need to be focused on in this era of tightening margins is how do we get more productivity out of the investments we've already made and that's what you're seeing John Deere bring in in the autonomous tractor and what you're seeing these other companies bring in automation is we're not trying to 
get rid of the farmer. You're not trying to take the farmer out of the cab. This is how do we supplement? How do we augment? How do we help the farmer in these really tight windows accomplish the things that they need to accomplish in order to continue to feed fuel and, and fiber all of us or clothe all of us? Right. And, and this is AI, as you mentioned, I mean, it's literally everywhere here. Like everyone's positioning themselves as an AI company, but this idea, particularly in the tightening global economy, you mentioned, let's be really specific, the tightening farm economy, the food system economy, cost of capital still high. We heard today from, a, I think, a really interesting executive who talked about the idea of labor inflation never goes backwards. So even if we see inflation cool uh, on the macro, we still see a cost basis inflation Really this opportunity, unique opportunity for AI to move from hype to help as we look at the application of AI to agriculture. Is this the year that happens? Yeah, I mean, I love that framing of hype to help because I, 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 I ruffle, my feathers get a little bit ruffled when people talk about AI. And so maybe I'm being a little bit particular here, but so much of the AI that we saw in 2023 has been language based. And it's really how do we how do we use Chat GPT to write a prompt for us or answer a question that we don't know? But that's language based, and I'm being a little bit specific here because we don't have language in agriculture. There's not one common language. So what I see is LLM and generative AI and Chat GPT a great tool for automating a lot of the processes that need to happen in order to achieve the reality of AI in agriculture. So you see a lot of applications here of AI and that's great, but within agriculture, the real work still needs to be done on sensor fusion, on creating common language. And I think AI as it exists today, that the language-based AI gives us the tool set to be able to train those models faster and really benefit from this massive investment in compute power and um, intelligence that is going on right now. We were talking last night about there's a new report out from Precision Farming Dealer. They look at big trends. They're looking at 2024, where the big trends coming. And there's a study. I mean, Kristen, this is crazy. They're talking about farmers, and, and I'm going to get these. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but directionally, 70% of the farmers they talk to spend more than 11 hours a week collecting, collating, and analyzing data. You begin to say, where does AI begin to help? You're right, we can stitch these things together, all the data sources you mentioned, but some of it's just actually doing the data work that we can do. Can you imagine if you, if I spent, in my job, I look at, at a number of filings. If I used 11 hours of my week just cleaning up data, that is not my job. That is not the best use of my time best use of the farmer's time is taking data and having it be insightful. Data is valuable to engineers and we need that data without question. Insights are valuable to farmers and so we need to cross that chasm from a technology perspective to get from this data lake that we have that and use AI to then help cross that chasm to turn that data into insights. How will the global economy and AI shape the future, not just here at CS, but all across the ag bioscience economy? We'll explore it right after this quick break. Ag bioscience is supported by Indiana Farm Bureau. Being your own boss is a different kind of job. You have to work harder, smarter, and you can't afford to let your health slow you down. That's why Indiana Farm Bureau is there with more affordable plans for members who need to stay on top of their health so they can stay on top of their business, whether it's a farm or any other kind of company, concern, or enterprise. 
To learn more about medical, dental, vision, and Medicare supplement insurance plans sponsored by Indiana Farm Bureau, visit infbhealthplans.com. Welcome back to Ag Bioscience. We're talking with Kristen Owen, Executive Director of Equity Research at Oppenheimer. Kristen, one of the areas of growth continues to be bio-innovation, the bio-economy. There's a number of really interesting companies here talking about packaging, but really this bio-economy, I think we can expand it. It's really the use of biology to create net new products. We've seen everything from packaging to even gene editing in, in corn and seeds to crop protection products. Where do you see AI? As we look at the application of AI, artificial intelligence, where do you see that really accelerating the promise of productivity in agriculture? I think it's the best use case for for AI. And I'll, I'll first take a step back and say, just on the bioeconomy writ large, the way that we've been trying to frame it for investors is talking about what molecules matter in the future. And it's it's carbon, we all know carbon. It's silicon, it's what enables AI. It's hydrogen, and I think the ag economy is going to be talking a lot more about hydrogen over the next five to 10 years. Uh, fertilizer production, a great source for hydrogen and carrying hydrogen. Um, but then it's also sugar. And sugar fuels vehicles, and it it is the enabler of this bioeconomy, whether we're talking about plastics or um, precision fermentation, you need sugar. And that sugar comes from, a lot of it comes from corn in the United States. So coming back to your question on AI, how do we use that in this bioeconomy? That is an area where language exists. Like coming back to that theme, um, we know how to code DNA now. And there are some letters there that we can use. AI is the only thing powerful enough to take the, the vast diversity of plants and turn that into something where, hey, if we're going to tweak one or two things, which was Gen 1 CRISPR, we're now on Gen 2, Gen 3 of this types of, of technology. The amount of complexity we now see in the genome, you, you can only compute what is possible to maximize yield using AI. And so I think that's a great use case. It's a much better use case, whether it's in seed genetics, maybe in crop protection a little bit further on. I mean, that's a, a little bit more challenged market right now, but I think this is, we're gonna be talking about GE, uh, genetic engineering and AI in line with one another over the next five years. You talk about a challenging economy, this challenging environment we've operated in. We're headed into a, a year where the UK forecasted, if not already in a recession to be in recession, China in recession, Germany in recession. Add to that complexity half of the world's population will go to the polls this year. Lots of turbulence in that. As you look at public companies, we, what your job is at Oppenheimer, how do you, how are you thinking about this turbulent global economy and, and what does it mean for the broader food and ag system in 2024? We have learned so much over the last three years that, and I think the biggest learning for me is that farmers are really, really resilient. And there is absolutely nothing within their control other than getting out in the field and planting. And they're gonna do that this year, next year, no matter what. So how do we make their jobs easier? And how do we, how do we reduce variability? And I think technology is, is the only tool that, that can really help reduce that variability for the grower because they have nothing else within their control. I do wonder, however, 
you know, what does this mean in terms of investment and innovation? And so when I look at my companies, I'm thinking about, hey, who has balance sheet? Who has the ability to come in, invest in innovation? Maybe we don't see wholesale acquisitions like we've seen over the last two to three years because we're, we're kind of digesting a lot of M&A activity that's happened. Uh, I think that was something we predicted on our last conversation is that M&A is going to continue to be there, but now maybe it's strategic investment. Who can help support real innovators who need cash and need scale right now? Because we can't afford to, to go backwards in innovation. This is, um, we talked a little bit about this last night. Um, this is sort of a new category of investment for folks. And we can't, you know, agriculture is one of the oldest industries on the planet. And yet it's one of the newest categories to invest in. And I think a lot of investors have said, hey, you know, everybody does this. It's kind of like a utility. I'll let the government underwrite it with some subsidies. We're at a state now where we need to take ownership of this industry and there's a lot of opportunity to be made. So we can't see these next two years, however long. I don't know. I, that's. I guess that is my job to predict it, but I don't know. <laughs> How, however long we can anticipate this to be somewhat of a challenging environment where demand is uncertain, we can't scale back on innovation. Well, and I think two sides of the same coin, right? Challenge and opportunity. Opportunity in a challenging global environment. Austerity creates opportunity. However we want to frame it, it's there. But I, I want to pull on something you said because I think this is really critical you know, we've gone through an era where we saw pullback in ag tech investing. And I use ag tech, ag bioscience, plants, animals, people, food, the, the, the full spectrum. That's not something that you just dial up and dial down. There is a, a bubble in the brake line, if I can use a, 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 a mechanical analogy. You know, this idea that we've had pullback, that's going to take time to work its way through, both in big company and small company. As you look at the companies you cover, when you think about that, those with you know, cash strong balance sheets that can make these moves, just the ability even now to ingest them and bring them to market, are we in an era where the impact on innovation and ag bioscience could be years, if not multiple years, sort of delayed because of this era that we've been in the last couple of years? I think we've started the flywheel. And the flywheel around technology requires data. And so if there are opportunities out there that help feed that data cycle, that is going to continue to be valuable. So I don't know that it's, we pull back altogether on investment so much as, well, frankly, the bar's higher. And we all know from being in this industry for a while that um, investors understand this is long cycle time industry. And I think everybody can kind of get on board with that because the mission and the TAM is so substantial. But the application, the use case, how investors are examining the opportunity set has gotten more acute. And I, I would say to folks, you know, thinking about where are the real pain points for growers? What's not technology just for technology's sake? Like, let's really find solutions that help the growers right now and feed that innovation flywheel. That's where those investments will be will continue to be made over the next couple of years. And it's where we've seen exits, where we've seen the, the limited number of exits we've seen and the limited number of strategic investments we've seen have really been in that space of clear problem definition, 
clear product market fit on the solution. We've seen that happen. Kristen, time for one last question. And it's one of my favorite as we're here in January in Las Vegas, CES 2024, crystal ball time. What's the one big trend? What, what are you seeing? Presidential election cycle, turbulent economy. We've talked about AI moving from hype to help. What's the big trend that affects 2024 in food and ag? Yeah, I mean, if we if we rewind six months ago, I really thought this would be the year where we saw a really substantial change on the climate side. I mean, 20, uh, 45Z coming into effect in 2025. Those decisions need to be made in 2024. I'm not sure the industry is ready yet for that. So I, I kind of have to pull back and say, maybe that's not the crystal ball prediction that we thought it would be in 2024. I'm not losing hope on it. I don't want to step away from that. We still need to be there. But where I think we see progress continue to be made is really coming back to this point around productivity. Labor is not getting any easier to get. It's not getting any cheaper. And we are now watching our bottom lines in a very different way. And I think what that's true whether you're the producer or whether you're the, the major OEM manufacturer or anybody else in this ecosystem, you're watching your bottom line because you don't have the pricing power that you used to have. You don't have the, the surety of demand that we've had over the last couple of years. So it's all about productivity for me. There it is. Productivity. Kristen Owen, Executive Director of Equity Research at Oppenheimer. Kristen, it has been a ton of fun to spend some time with you. Thanks for joining us on this special edition of Ag Bioscience. Likewise. Thanks so much, Mitch. And thank you for tuning in. You get the latest Ag Bioscience news and insights from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can access our entire library and give us a review. As always, you can learn more online at agronovasindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovas team, I'm Mitch Frazier in Las Vegas. Sam, thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon. This podcast is a product of Agronovas Indiana in collaboration with Inside Indiana Business. Hosted by Mitch Frazier. Produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez. Photography by Kaylee Kerr. To get all ag bioscience news all the time, visit agronovisindiana.com.